Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, January 15th, 2024. My guest today is one of the world's most recognizable persons, Bill O'Reilly. Bill is clearly one of the great movers and shakers of our era in the media. I had the pleasure of working with him for 20 years at Fox, and quite frankly, uh, he taught me a great deal about dealing with the media and dealing with people on the other side of the camera who don't like what you say. Uh, Bill, it's a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you for coming on the show. I have a couple of topics I want to talk to you about that I know you've opined on uh, extensively. Uh, Let's start with Ukraine. Uh, Just a few minutes ago, uh, the Guardian of London reported that uh, President Zelensky has asked uh, Swiss officials to put together a high-level peace conference. Isn't it over for Ukraine? And wasn't it a catastrophic mistake for the United States to waste $100 billion there? I don't think so. Um, Ukraine is not going to defeat Russia, but uh, Putin has got to be dealt with. And yes, it was expensive to deal with him. There's no doubt about it. But if you let Putin march into all of these countries, uh, Belarus and uh, Lithuania, Latvia, all of that, and do what he wants, You just have chaos in the world. So the Ukrainians are brave. Um, They fought them to a standstill. They want to get out now because they know that the West is tired, doesn't want to keep pumping money into Kiev. So I'm not surprised that uh, Zelensky wants some peace. But uh, Putin's playing a long game. Uh, And Putin is a brilliant tactician, evil, evil man. But he knows the West doesn't have the heart for um, a long campaign. Even if people aren't dying in the West, the money, he knows. And Putin doesn't care if 500,000 Russians get killed. He doesn't care. He's a murderer himself. So he's playing a long game, and he's accomplished a couple of things. Moscow is now closer to Beijing, which is bad for America. And he's managed to get that, cleave that relationship. And he's stronger than Biden. If, if Trump were president, I think the thing would have been handled a lot differently. Can't say how, but he knows Biden's fairly weak. And um, no matter what old Joe says, Vlad is a tougher guy. Yeah, but you, so you, you sound a little like old Joe. And I mean, I say that with respect to you because you and I are, are friends. When you say Putin has may have his eyes on uh, Belarus and Latvia and Lithuania, there's no evidence for that whatsoever. 
My argument is the reason he did what he did in Ukraine is because we threatened to put offensive NATO weaponry there. And because Eastern Ukraine has been part of Russia since Catherine the Great was the was in charge. Well, I guess you forgot about Georgia, not the state, but the country where Putin dominates, just waltz right in, took it over. Belarus, separate country. Putin dominates the country. They both had free elections, Bill. Okay. Free elections, Judge. I mean, you got Biden's ditches over there. So Joe Biden gave a little talk, uh, he read from the prompter to the press right before Christmas and saying, if Putin, I think I'm quoting him, you remember this, because you talked about it on one of your shows. If Putin takes Ukraine, there is nothing to stop him from attacking a NATO country. And if that happens, you will see what no one wants and no one expects, American boys fighting Russian boys. Do you really think that will happen, Bill O'Reilly? I don't think that would happen that way, but I think Putin would undermine and will undermine. He's not going to stop undermining um, all the countries that he borders. That includes um, the uh, nations up north, which is why Finland joined NATO. I mean, Putin is a he's Hitler light. This is a this is a guy who wants to expand his power if if he's going to do it. If you were the president of the United States, and after you put me on the Supreme Court, the uh, Chinese had entered into a treaty with the Mexicans, and there were Chinese troops and offensive weaponry in Tijuana aimed at Dallas, what would you do about it? Well, I'd do what JFK did. There would be a uh, a blockade and nothing in, nothing out. But uh, look, there was no alliance between Ukraine and NATO. It didn't exist. And most of the NATO countries didn't want it to exist. So you can trump up any reason to do anything, which is what Putin did. Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of, you know, come on, judge. There isn't one country in Europe that's bellicose, word of the day. Not one. They don't want conflict with Russia. They don't want any. They just want to have their croissants and, and tea and that's it. This is all fabricated. So if you know the world, and I do, you know there are villains in the world, and Putin is at the top of the list. So in uh, 2022, about a month into the special military operation, as Putin uh, calls it, uh, the Russians and the Ukrainians had a handshake on an agreement in Turkey, which would have kept NATO out of uh, Ukraine and uh, out, kept NATO out of Ukraine and Russia out of Ukraine. And there was a handshake on the agreement. And Joe Biden sent uh, Boris Johnson uh, to say, don't don't sign it. We have your back. The Americans have your back. Now they want to put together a similar agreement after after 10 million Ukrainians left the country. 500,000 Ukrainian young men are either dead or so injured they can't go back uh, to the military. And their economy uh, is ruined because they don't have these 500,000 young men to work once the war is over. Wasn't that a catastrophic mistake for Joe Biden and Boris Johnson to sabotage that handshake agreement? And wasn't it a catastrophic mistake for Ukraine to rely on the endless pit of money coming from the United States, which you and I know can't be endless? Uh, If it happened, it was a blunder. I don't know what happened. It's not on the record. 
There's no proof that it happened. It doesn't stack because our intelligence agencies would not entrust something like that to a Boris Johnson. He's a party boy. So I'm skeptical about that whole scenario. The bottom line on Ukraine is this. We can't continue to fund this war, but we can make it very difficult for Putin. And we have. Putin is not very popular in his own country right now. He can't go anywhere can't travel outside the country. In the country, he's surrounded by tanks wherever he goes. We've made his life difficult. I hope that they can come to some deal. The deal will say where Russia is now, they'll stay. And then there'll be elections or whatever nonsense, because there'll never be free elections. And then Ukraine goes back. It's a lesser country now than it was, but it the war stops. That's what's likely to happen. All right. Here's um, a little clip from one of the Ukrainian negotiators uh, at the conference in uh, Turkey, uh, where there was a handshake agreement that was uh, disrupted by Biden and Johnson. Tell me what you think of this. And to my mind, very quickly, after invasion in 24 of February last year, he very quickly understood his historical mistake. And uh, I was in that moment in the group of Ukrainian negotiators. We negotiated uh, with Russian delegation practically two months, in March and April, the possible peaceful settlement agreement between Ukraine and Russia. And we, as you remember, concluded so-called Istanbul communique. And we were very close in the middle of April, in the end of April, to finalize our war with some peaceful settlement. For some reasons, it was postponed. But to my mind, Putin, this is my personal view, Putin in one week after started his aggression in 24 February last year, very quickly understood he did mistake and tried to do everything possible to conclude agreement with Ukraine. A statement, if true, and I have no reason to disbelieve him, should appeal to you. Putin made a mistake, knew it was a mistake right away, began the negotiation, they concluded the negotiation, and then something happened. He doesn't mention Boris Johnson or Joe Biden. Do you still Uh, question whether or not there was an agreement? Wait, who was that guy? A, a negotiator for the Ukrainian government at the what, negotiation. What's his, position, what's his position in the Ukrainian government? He is a former ambassador. I don't know what it's, I don't think he's in the government anymore. He wouldn't be saying that. You know, I, I got to be real suspicious about this. Not the way the USA does business. We don't send Boris Johnson over to negotiate treaties. It's just not the way the country does business. Look. Biden's befuddled. He doesn't know what's happening from day to day. He can't grasp complex issues anymore. He's mentally not up for the job. But this whole thing doesn't stack up for me. I'd have to know a lot more about this guy, what his job was, who was at those meetings. Putin wasn't at them. He wasn't there. Fair. No, no, I wasn't there. If I were there. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, anybody can say anything. Is uh, the behavior of the IDF in um, Gaza genocide, as has been uh, alleged and I believe adequately demonstrated at the International Court of Justice last week? 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I'd have to see the war maps. I'd have to see what the IDF is actually trying to accomplish before I make that statement. Um, my question to you would be, if you're the president of Israel, how would you defeat Hamas? What would you do? Well, I would probably have a two-state solution, but that doesn't seem to be There isn't uh, a state. You yeah. can't have a two-state solution when there's only one state. Well, you'd have to recognize, the UN would have to recognize, recognize who? Hamas, Hamas controls Gaza. But but you you're you're moving Hamas? off you're you're moving off the uh, off the question. Hamas was created no, 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 by no, the. No, no, no. I'm not moving off. <laughs> Wait a minute. What I'm, do you mean? No, I'm no, ex- no, no, no. I'm expanding. I'm expanding the question. If you're going to make an accusation that Israel is responsible for genocide, yes. which is the execution of civilians. Yes. Okay. Are we You're genocidal? saying you don't know what's happening? No. Are we genocidal because of the atomic bombs in Japan? Because yes. Of, uh, dread- oh, we are? Yes. That was an attack on civilians. But I don't want to talk about that. I well, want to talk about what's wait, happening it, now. It's all intertwined. How do you protect yourself against a terror group like Hamas that comes in and wipes out 2,000 of your citizens? Well, you, you don't if do you it can't by answer you that don't question. Do it by killing, you don't do it by killing babies. Well, wait. What do you mean killing babies? We killed babies, the United States, in World War II every day. Not to wipe out a race of babies as the leadership well, of the Israeli government has again, said they want to do. They're animals. They're Let's bury around. them alive. You think that Israel, the Israel military and government is sitting around going, we want to kill as many innocent Palestinians as we can. They don't I consider don't, any don't Palestinians that. to be innocent, and they've said it. They consider ba- babies to baby? be snakes. How about a baby? Come on. You see, you're showing a naivete. All right? This is a war. Israel has to defend itself against a terror group. All right? In a war that's urban, you're going to have civilian casualties. Do you think that's that what happens real? in every war? The, but the, but casualties that are the byproduct of shooting at soldiers or killers are acceptable. Casualties that are in, civilian and intended are not acceptable morally, legally, the, or uh, Israeli, I don't believe the Israeli military is launching campaigns to kill ordinary citizens and babies. 
They're dropping 2,000-pound bombs on uh, refugee camps that have no military people in them. And you don't think they're trying to kill civilians, Bill? I don't know that to be a fact. I, I, I haven't heard that report anywhere. And believe me, if it, if it happened, you would have heard of it. Here's uh, a tape. Chris, is, this is uh, uh, number two of the oral argument at the International Criminal Court. So this, this is brief. It's about a minute long. This is one of the South African lawyers speaking to the court, making an argument uh, about what Israel has done. In the midst of this argument, he runs a tape of Israeli soldiers dancing on the rubble in Gaza and saying, we're going to slaughter them like we did Amalek. You remember Catholic school. You remember what Amalek is. But here you go. On 7 December 2023, Israeli soldiers proved that they understood the prime minister's message to remember what the Amalek has done to you as genocider. They were recorded by journalists dancing and singing. We know our motto. There are no uninvolved that they obey one commandment to wipe off the seed of Amalek. The prime minister's invocation of Amalek is being used by soldiers to justify the killing of civilians, including children. These are the soldiers repeating the inciting words of their prime minister. I'm coming to occupy Gaza and do Hezbollah. I stick by one mitzvah to wipe off the seed of Amalek. And you know him, I know him as well. I actually met him in the green room outside of your uh, studio in the good old days. Uh, Bibi Netanyahu uh, reminded the Israelis of Amalek. That's a reference from the Old Testament where supposedly God said, kill all the Amalek, even babies and sucklings. And that was the reference that Bibi used that the troops are now picking up. You well, still look, think that this is a lawful war? If there is evidence that the Israeli government and the military are launching campaigns against civilians to kill civilians, then that evidence needs to be put forth, not by some guy in South Africa who has no blanket idea. Now, the dance you just showed, that's disturbing in this sense. It shows a lack of discipline on the part of the Israeli military. They have to have discipline when they go into these places. Now, the Israelis say, we aren't targeting civilians. We're hunting down Hamas leadership and fighters. But they hide in, and this is, you know, to be true, if you read killing, my book, Killing the Killers, they hide in civilian enclaves. So when we go in to get them, there are civilians being held hostage by Hamas in those enclaves. And the final point I'll make is that the Hamas action in October was solely directed at civilians in Israel. There was no military component. It was slaughter Israeli citizens. Now, one atrocity doesn't justify another, but this has not been reported accurately. And no, I don't have access, I don't have access to the military plans of the Israelis. Right. I don't. There were 200 uh, troops that were killed on October 7th. Some were actually killed 
by the Israeli military because they looked like they were going to be That was closed. a reactive force, but the thrust of the terror attack was on a kibbutz, and you know it. Agreed. I, I agree. But but there were troops that were killed as well. Let's uh, let's switch uh, gears. Uh, I don't think Joe Biden's going to run for re-election. I think Chuck Schumer and the Democrats are going to say, what are you, crazy? You can't pass a, a, a driver's ed test. How are you possibly going to take on uh, Trump? we got to switch gears, go home to uh, Rehoboth, tell everybody that uh, you're going to work on the economy and work on Israel and you don't have time to campaign. What do you think? Well, I've said that for a year that I don't think Joe Biden's going to be the nominee. Um, the only way it shakes down, though, is if Biden resigns like LBJ did and says... You mean resign as a candidate. You don't mean resign the presidency. No, resign as a candidate. Right. So I'm right. not running again. Right. Okay? Right. So LBJ in 68 said, I'm not, I'm not running again. And Biden would do that very close to the convention in the summer, and say, I'm giving my delegates to Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom or whoever, and Schumer didn't have anything to do with it, by the way, whoever the Democratic big shots want. The Biden campaign's being run by Jeffrey Katzenberg. Do you know him? I know of him. I've actually met him at Fox. I know exactly who he is. Okay, so he's a Hollywood mogul. Right. All right. So Katzenberg has, with Spielberg and Geffen and uh, Ari Emanuel, they have a cabal. And the cabal has another cabal in Silicon Valley. Which well, who, do they want to, who do they want to replace by you throughout um, they don't um, have Michelle any Obama? Consensus. If they had a consent, oh, they'd love to have Michelle. But anyway, you, you need to understand this. Chuck Schumer has no power at all. No. All right. Well, I use right. Chuck Schumer as a metaphor. The leading Democrats right. will go to Joe and say, you got to step down. It's the money. It's the progressive money men, the Soroses right. of the world. They know that Biden is incapacitated. And they know he could lose to Trump or Nikki Haley. So they're desperately trying to find someone where Biden would not run. Okay, and then give his delegates to that person. What about Biden's awful vice president? No, she's not a factor anymore. She is gone. Okay, so Michelle Obama surfaces last week, last Monday, a week ago, on some podcast, Jay Shetty. Why? She got no book. Didn't have lunch with Oprah. So people like you and I, people like you and I, would talk about her. Why? She doesn't seek that. She's never never been a headline seeker, an exposure seeker. There was a reason that she did it. But I'm here. It? I'm here. I'm ready. To remind everybody that she's here. Now, when I saw that, I went, oh. So don't be surprised if she starts to rise up. What about she your old be, friend? What about your old friend Hillary? No way. She's detested by the American public. <laughs> no way. Why, why, what, what brought about uh, woke and the de- de- degrading of basic Judeo-Christian values in America? How did Tradition. we get to the point? How did we get to the point where school <sighs> teachers are telling children 
uh, you can change your sex and you don't have to get your parents' permission. There's always been since the 1920s, after the Russian Revolution, a movement in America to impose communism or socialism. Oh, it's always been there, constant, okay? It exploded in the 50s with the McCarthy era. Everybody was a communist, but it's always been there. And then it was, became dormant, all right? Um, and then with the rise of the most liberal president ever before Joe Biden, Barack Obama, Biden is the most liberal president. But when he ascended, the progressives then organized. Now, Barack Obama was not progressive enough for them. Remember, he deported more foreign nationals than any other president. He wasn't progressive enough for the Hollywood people, the Silicon Valley people, for Soros. But they had a foothold. And then, as when Trump took over, they used the loathing of Trump by the media to co-opt the media. So the press hates Trump so much right. that they now glorify the progressive movement. Once you have the corporate media pumping up a movement like that, then you run wild. And that's what happened. Bill O'Reilly, always a pleasure, uh, my dear friend. Uh, I hope we get to work together soon, either on my show, your show, or wherever uh, the fates may take us. All the best. Thanks for having me, Judge. Thank you. Coming up at 4 o'clock this afternoon, Professor John Mearsheimer, you know you'll hear a decidedly different view of Ukraine and Israel from uh, the good uh, professor. I hope you appreciated Bill uh, as much as I do. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom. <laughs>